chapter 12 and then to Matthew chapter 24. I was thinking this week, I was being very nostalgic this week in my mind and heart. And uh, Preachers, we're weird. We're weird people. I, you're weird. We were talking about that. Uh, we were talking about in Sunday school, struggling with our flesh, with the spirit, and battling our sin nature. We're just all half crazy because we, we all struggle in, in our own way. But uh, preachers are funny people. And uh, I get very nostalgic. I go through cycles of... Uh, of getting very uh, historical or nostalgic about being here for uh, so, so many years. Uh, and um, part of that is my children. You know, when we got here, uh, I was thinking about this the other day. Right after we got here, our, three of our children were in a horrible car wreck and had to go to Children's Hospital for several days, and it was horrible. And John, I remember you were one of the ones. I didn't even know what. Anyway, so, all, so many things have happened. I've done so many weddings. Sadly, I've done so many funerals, and uh, that's part of that's the cycle of church life. That's just life. That's family. So, what happens with your family happens with this family. And uh, I was thinking a lot about that this week. But one thing, uh, and I guess because uh, I'm getting older, and and how I prepare to preach and all that is a little bit different than it used to be. But I've I've preached probably three thousand times. And that may not seem a lot to you, but it is a lot to me. And, uh, and if you were to go look at my office or even come to my house and see how many notebooks and, and uh, file folders I have of notes and notes and notes and notes, because I keep all of my notes. And uh, like when I study and I write in the notebook all the stuff, I'm, I just keep those notebooks for what reason I don't know. But I have, I have tons and tons of notebooks. But 3,000 messages about the Lord Jesus and about salvation. And here's the truth. I still battle sin. God, you know, this is what I want you to understand about the Christian life. I'm privileged like you are not. God has called me, and it's odd, preachers are weird, but it's a calling. And so God's called me, and that's what I live to do. Uh, I live to study. And, um, and, and I'm in a protected environment. I'm not out in the world. I'm either in my office or at my office at home. You know, 80, 90% of the time, that's, that's what I do. But I still struggle with my sin nature. And after preaching all these sermons, you would think you, you know, maybe you think the preacher is pious and all righteous, but I'm not. I'm just a sinner saved by grace and struggle with my sin nature just like you do. Now, there's obviously a little, there, there is some maturity there that maybe I, I have that you may not spiritually, but I still battle with my sin, my sin nature. Amen? It never goes away. I hate that. And that's one of the things that I look so forward to when we meet Jesus, right? It's being glorified and no longer battling the sin nature. Uh, and I think that's one reason why Paul said, and it's in 2 Timothy, one of the last things Paul said, really, it's the last book he wrote. He talks about the Lord has for him the crown of righteousness because he, he has run the race, he's finished his course. And he says, and, and, and the Lord's laid for me the crown of righteousness. And then he says, and, and also for all those that love is appearing. 
So there's a crown called the crown of righteousness for all of us that are longing for Christ to come back and take His church. And folks, the more you're involved in living for Christ in this wicked world, the more you long for His return. Yes, I want to see my grandchildren grow up. Yes, I'm gonna, I would miss, you know, but there's a part of me that, that would hope that Christ would come now. Amen? Now. But while he's tarrying, we need to do the master's work, right? And for 2,000 years, the truth is the king is coming, right? On Zion's hill, God has promised him to reign and rule the world, the universe. So for 2,000 years, the king is coming. And for 2,000 years, it's all about the cross. Amen? It's all about Jesus and it's all about the cross. Well, in Matthew chapter 24, this is where Christ um, talks about prophecy, the end of the days. And now, I'm not going to read all of it. We've touched on it before. But um, this is the passage where Christ really is from a Jewish perspective. He's really warning the Jews on a lot of things. But he is talking about the, the end of the days and what life is going to be like when he comes back. And so what you got to figure is, when I say he comes back, when he comes back to reign and rule, that's what Psalms 2 is talking about. The, the, it was talking about both the first and the second coming, Psalm 2 was. He's going to come back and he's going to rule from Zion, from, from Jerusalem. The second coming means that Christ one day is going to come back as King of kings and Lord of lords. But when we talk about the church, and the rapture of the church, that's going to happen at least seven years before Jesus physically returns to earth. Because the rapture and the translation of saints and at the harpazo happens at least seven years before um, Christ literally, because it says we meet Him in the air. And it says that like six times. <clears throat> you know, just as He came, we will be caught up with Him, Acts 1, then He does it again in in uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 1 Thessalonians 4, over and over again it tells us that we will meet Him in the air. So the saints are going to meet the church. Those of us that are saved, they're going to meet Him in the air. In Matthew 24, Jesus is talking just about the trends. He almost would say the trends of what it's going to look like as the days get closer to His return. And you and I, I guess we're more sensitive to it now because of the liberal bent of our government as American citizens. We, those of us that love the Bible when, and love biblical truth and love the Lord Jesus, when the government legislate, when our government legislates immorality, when they say the law of the land is homosexuals can get married, married you know, when, when, they, when they make legal abortion, when they say homosexuals get, when they legalize immorality, you know that it makes me much more sensitive to the reality that Christ could come soon. And of course, the COVID scare, which meets the Bible's definition of a pestilence, literally almost a worldwide pestilence we just went through. So Jesus speaking about the end of days, I won't spend long here, but he kind of gives us a hint of, of what to expect. So with Matthew 24 open, just pick up with me and look at verse 3. <clears throat> And we have been here before. We started here months and months ago. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here just refreshing your memory about Christ and what His message was about the end of days. 
And as he sat on the Mount of Olives, this is also known as the Olivet Discourse, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, and this is kind of like a private, uh, a private briefing, you could say, an, in, an intel meeting for, because a lot of times Jesus would speak, there would be multitudes around. Well, this is just you know, his disciples. And, and so he, they say, tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray, for many will come in my name, saying, by the way, uh, some of those are Antichrist. You know, there's one, the, the Bible says they're the Antichrist, right? Really, it's called the beast in the book of Revelation. We're going to read it in just a second. The beast. He's also called the Antichrist. But there's many antichrists, little a, antichrists, who have the spirit of the antichrist or promote the life of the antichrist. That's been true for 2,000 years. Many will come saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation. And again, I like to remind you of this. Never does the Bible mention multiple races. Because we believe the Bible. And the Bible says, how many races are there? Okay. So if somebody comes up with some weird race theory, right? That's the, can't, it's a lie. Biblically, it's a lie. Because how many races are there? So there's not a critical race theory. Because there's one race and all of us are sinners, Right? And it manifests different in different cultures. Am I right? Is that pretty simple? So there's no need in being consumed with all that. So this is where you know your Bible. So you don't judge the Bible by the world. You let the Bible judge the world and what the world says. So you don't have to worry about critical race theory. It's a lie. It's just a man-made philosophy. The Bible talks about the race and the problems with the race. But right here when it says nation against nation, I'm just interesting to me. It's ethnic. It's an ethnicity. Ethnos is the Greek word. Ethnicity. It's not a race. Ethnicity. So ethnos against ethnos. For nation will rise against nation. And kingdom against kingdom. And that's kind of a bigger deal. So nation against nation. But kingdoms against kingdom. That's big wars. And the fact that they would hear about them kind of tells you that that time has moved on from first century because, you know, something can happen and they may not know for six months that a war took place, you know, 600 miles away. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of birth pains. Birth pains. And so all these things are the beginning. Of, so it's not, it, the, when these things happen, it's not the end. It's birth pains. And birth pains, just never experienced them, just telling you what I've read. They come in higher frequency, higher intensity. And if you're present, they're much more visible. You can tell when the, when the birth pains are more severe. So, so when the Bible talks about disasters, when the Bible talks about deception, and when the Bible talks about diseases, 
those things will be more frequent, more intense, and more visible as time goes on. Whether you're talking about atomic fears, fear of atomic weapons, uh, global unrest, I think about uh, uh, biological weapons, that's a big thing I think about now since COVID was probably done in a so all these things are things that we worry about. And so the Bible says this is just the beginning of birth pains. Verse 9. Then he says to the saints, to the disciples, they will deliver you up to tribulation, not the tribulation. You're not, he didn't say to the disciples and to believers, you're going through the tribulation. He says they're going to deliver, you're going to experience tribulation, but you're not going to experience the tribulation. There's a big difference, a very big difference. They will deliver you up to tribulation, and they will put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations. And that's very particular to Israel. And you know, if we've studied part of that. For my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. I, th I think about some of the stuff that's going on, uh, even over the COVID issue and, and how families have gotten mad at each other and... and uh, and many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. I think how many false prophets there are that can be heard all over the internet. I mean, and what I'm saying is, think how prevalent, more prevalent false prophecy is, or false prophets are today than they were in the first century. Think how many hundreds of thousands of false messages are heard every day. The lie is passed on, false doctrine is passed on where where, where it wasn't near like that. And so that's another birth pain. It's just, it's gotten more frequent, more intense, and more visible. It just, just more and more. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because of lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And he's talking to the Jews. And the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Now, just to let you know, as we're walking through the book of Revelation, we discover when the gospel is proclaimed to the whole world. And it is during the tribulation. Jesus does not have to come in or, before people can... Jesus doesn't... We're not waiting for the gospel to reach all the kingdoms before the rapture. The rapture and the tribulation can start before this ever happens because this happens during the tribulation. Now take your Bibles and go with me to Revelation chapter 12. We have read this in part, but we didn't really explain it as we walked through it in the past. And folks, and I'm, I'm not going to apologize for doing this to you this morning, but there's 31,000 verses in the Bible, okay? And in order for me to teach God's Word and explain it as I understand it, I have to use other Bible verses. Many times I just quote them. Sometimes I read them. Sometimes I quote them. But today, for a moment or two, I'm going to take you to those verses because there's 31,000 verses that help make and affirm what we're going to read. And so I want to pick some of those 31,000 verses to help put this in a little bit better context and give you a better understanding of, of the text. Now, also, before we read this, a truth that we're going to find today in Revelation 12. We'll get to Revelation 13, hopefully, too. But... If you were to take a New Testament, this is amazing when I say this. I couldn't believe it myself. I had to check the information. Of all the New Testament books, you're going to learn something today you didn't know. Of all the New Testament books, 
The book of Revelation refers to the Old Testament more than any other book. Isn't that incredible? More than half the verses in the book of Revelation have a context in the Old Testament. We're going to find some of that today. So here's, so, you, so here's the truth. The more you know the Old Testament, the more you understand parts of the book of Revelation. And I'm going to show you that in just a second. Revelation chapter 12. Now we're talking, you know, last week, and, and let me regress, I'm sorry, I, I keep changing, changing pace on you. Last week we were in godly manhood, and, or really godly love, you know, sacrificial love, serving love, sanctifying love. You know, we looked at husband and wife, and the husband loving his wife, and then you get over there to love, and we found out what love really is, and true love, and really come with the leadership of the man since it was Father's Day. It's a, you know, it's, it's a sacrificial love, it's a sanctifying love, it's a sacred love, it's forever, you know. So we talk about biblical. This is the antithesis we're going to talk about today about the Antichrist, and, his, and he's the antithesis of a godly man. And basically, we know that because he's the antithesis of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, surprise, may be surprising to you, <laughs> before we even read Revelation 12, I'm sorry, I want you to go, hold your finger here again, okay, and go to the book of Genesis. That's the first book in the Bible, okay? So we can all go there, go to Genesis chapter 3. And in the very beginning, in the book of beginnings, which is what the work of Genesis means, um, we see a description of this battle between the devil and the Lord. Okay, There's a prophetic verse in Genesis 3 that explains to us that we call it the seed battle. That Satan himself, who not only has demons and fallen angels that fail with him, and now demons also working with him. But also that, that, that same Satan is going to do battle with the Lord Jesus Christ and try to kill him. And uh, so it just shows this, it's a seed that, that and, and of course the Antichrist you know, there's fallen angels, there's demons, but there's going to become a man on this earth that is full of Satan, more so than anybody's ever been. And if you find that truth, not by name, but in con uh, the predicting it in Genesis 3. So this is after the fall. I'm in Genesis 3, after the fall. And verse 14 says, The Lord God said to the serpent, because you, Genesis 3, 14, by the way, I'll just go ahead and tell you this. One of my passwords, I'm not giving you my whole password, but my, the numbers of my password is 315. Because 315 is the verse that I'm going to read that's so important. 14 says, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. And the sign of that we know, because serpents, and on your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. So we understand the, the, where a serpent on the belly. And then he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman. Now the woman is not just Eve. Eventually the woman's going to be Israel. Okay, That's where we're going to be in just a second. I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman. Okay, And between your offspring and her offspring. So the devil has offspring. 
Is that not true? Is that not what that verse says? Matter of fact, it is the word translated. Some of you have a, a New King James that says your seed and her seed. It's the word seed, offspring. So the devil has offspring. And the ultimate offspring is going to be the Antichrist who we're going to get to over here in Revelation 12 again and talk about the Antichrist and the mark of the beast and all that stuff. Then he says, I will put enemy between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So the offspring of the woman who is not only Israel, Mary, and then there's Jesus, he's going to crush the head of Satan and Satan's going to bruise his heel. He's going to hurt Christ, but Christ is going to crush him. That's what this is predicting. So this battle uh, of good and evil begins in Genesis 3, and you have this ultimate battle between the devil and the Lord Jesus Christ for the souls of men. And surprisingly, the devil still thinks he can win in many ways. Revelation 12, let's begin reading. So you think about that unholy seed and what that seed is trying to do. He wants more people in his kingdom to do battle with the good seed, which is the Christ child and all his offspring. And a great sign appeared in heaven and a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet and on her head a crown of 12 stars. Now, if you know the Old Testament, you know that there's a prophecy about Joseph that this is a part of that prophecy about the sun and the moon. So it's dealing with Israel and the descendants of Jacob and his sons. And, and so you know that it's referring to the nation of Israel. So you know it's talking about Israel as the wife of God, the woman. So a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman, Israel, clothed with the sun, with the moon, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars, twelve tribes of Israel. She was pregnant. <clears throat> and was crying out in birth pains and the agony of giving birth. And so she's pregnant with a child, so Israel's going to produce a child. He's the promised child. He's the godly seed of Genesis 3.15. He is God's son. You with me? So, folks, there's been a seed battle. There's been an offspring battle for 6,000 years. Read the Old Testament. The devil was alive and well in the Old Testament. There's a seed battle there. There's still a seed battle. Those that, and this is what Jesus said. He's, he tell, of course, they questioned, this is in John 8. They, they were really ugly to Jesus and, and said something to him. So he responds. They question his fatherhood. So in John 8, he says, you are of your father, the devil. So he tells people that are lost, your father is the devil. That means they're an offspring. If, they're, if, if the devil's their father, he's their child. These people are, so they're the, they're the seed. They're the offspring of the devil. That's, there's only two places. Either you're an offspring of the devil. It's hard. These are hard sayings. You're either a child of the devil. This is what Jesus said. This isn't me. You're either a child of Satan or you're a child of God. That's what Jesus said. Folks, no wonder this world's at war. That's why it's much more than bombs. and it's, it's about spiritual things, too. It's just so incredible. So that's what we're talking about here. The woman. And, she, and so she was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains and the agony of giving birth. And, and another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns that tells you that, that at this point he has great authority. 
Um, and on his head, seven diadems. Uh, his tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. Now, this isn't the only place this appears. But it's describing Satan when he fell. He brought a third of the angelic, a third of the angelic host fell with him. They rebelled with him. And you can read about that. Like you can go to Ezekiel 28 or Isaiah 14. I should read that now with you. But, and it talks about, and this is where he said, I will ascend above the throne. I will. He had all these wills. And because of that, and he tried to usurp the authority of the Father and Son, he was, he was defeated and cast out. But when he, he left, he had all these other angels that fell with him. And, and so you have, that's what it's describing, a tail. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and, and cast them to the earth. And many times the, the word star or stars, plural, is a reference to angels. This isn't only for right here. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth. Now you remember this? We'll go over this in just a second. But So now he's been cast to the earth. And of course, it's not just at the birth of Christ was Satan cast down. We know he was cast down before the fall because he's obviously he tempted Eve, right? So he was already down here. So you're talking about, it's covering a lot of biblical history. So, so he's tail swept. And so the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth. And we know that it's talking about not only Israel, but talking about Mary giving birth to the Christ child so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. And you remember uh, when Jesus was born, uh, Herod, um, just you know, because of the report of the wise men and all that, he, they, got, they were warned and so they didn't come back and so he got all bent out of shape. And so he had children two years and below butchered uh, uh, in uh, Bethlehem. If you remember that, he, he just, but he was trying to kill the Lord Jesus Christ. By the way, um, the devil did it. Uh, if you read in Matthew 4 and uh, tried to kill Jesus, uh, in Matthew 4 and Luke, Luke 4, this is where they, he tells him to cast his. Now you got to think, this is Christ. This is the Son of God, but he's come in human form. And, and so he, he's emptied himself of certain things. Um, and so he now is a grown man. He's 33, and it's proof that he's emptied himself of some of his, of his ability to like transfer himself in space and time. So the devil says to Jesus, cast yourself off the pinnacle of the temple. Well, if Jesus would have jumped, the angels could catch him. But then he could hit you with me. And, and so the devil was trying to convince Jesus, you know, so Jesus could have died then. I mean, he wouldn't have and never would have. At John 8, um, they took up, it says they took up stones and tried to stone Jesus in John 8 and in John 10. He's at Solomon's portico and they tried to cast him off a, a high place because he made them mad. So several times through the work, they kept trying to kill Jesus. There's been this enmity between the, the dragon and the child since eternity passed. I mean, they've had this, this ongoing conflict. So the dragon stood before the woman when she was about to give birth so that when she her, bore a child, he might devour it. She gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. That's what Robbie just read in Psalm 2. But her child was called up to God and to his throne. Now, this, this just covers the birth of Christ and his ascension. You with me? He was born, and then the next thing you know it says, and 
that son of God was called up to be with God, right? Called up. Are you looking at your Bibles? Okay. Now, I'm not sure why it does that, why it goes from his birth to his ascension. By the way, for those of you who don't believe in a, tribu- uh, a rapture, the word called up is the word rapture, or the word harpazo, but the Latin is rapture. It appears about a dozen times. So you have to believe in a rapture. So it's describing when Jesus ascended in, you know, when, you know if you read this in Acts chapter 1, you know, that they were gathered around and the angels, you know, and Jesus starts ascending and they stand gazing into heaven and the angels say, why do you stand gazing? Uh, this same Jesus who is taken up from you. Uh, by the way, it's not angels, it's men. It says two men stood with Jesus, stood there and said, this same Jesus who is, who is caught up from you will so come in like man. Anyway, so, so that is the word if you make notes in your Bibles. Just an interesting affirmation that the word's true and it really does mean catch up. But her child was caught up to God in, in his throne and, and the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished for 1260 days. Now, and again, I'm not trying to blow your mind, but this is just a summary of biblical history because John's revelation is getting to something uh, about Satan being thrown down to the earth. So he's just covering a lot. When you read that, so the, the Lord ascended, and then he says, and the woman fled. Now he's talking about Israel again, okay? The woman, that Israel, okay? And of course, Mary, the mother of Christ, was a Jew. It was of Israel. So now it says the woman, now it's Israel. And he mentions fled into the wilderness to be protected 1,260 days. And this goes back to Matthew 24. During the abomina- after the abomination of desolation, I know I'm talking a lot about all kinds of things, Israel is going to be so persecuted. Remember, that he breaks the covenant, the Antichrist breaks the covenant. And so for three and a half years, if you don't run out of Israel and get out of Israel and go hide somewhere, you're going to be executed. You're going to be, you're going to be crushed by the Antichrist and all the enemies of Israel. So that's where this, these people, the Jews are hidden and protected for 1,260 days, which happens to be in 360-day years, three and a half years, right? So during the last half of the tribulation, miraculously, many Jews are going to be protected. We believe it's in a place called Petra, not know that for sure. All that's a summary of history of, of God's battle with the devil and Christ and all that. Now we pick up with Satan thrown down to the earth. Remember, this is the revelation. This is John Revelation of the end of time. This is after the church age. You know, the church age ended, ended back in Revelation 4. Now, war arose in heaven. Michael, no word, Michael. Now this, again, this tells you the importance that Michael is, well, let me just say, remember we, we've talked about guardian angels and angels that rule nations and princes. Remember the Bible mentions the prince of Persia, the prince of Greece, and so there's these assignments that evil angels are given to certain nations to try to confuse them and lead them astray. Well, in Daniel 12, Michael is the protecting angel of Israel. Isn't that interesting? You can read that in Daniel 12, 1. It says, Now a war arose in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon and his angels. Now, we know that there's a, there, it's a third of the angels fell, so it's two to one right? It's two to one advantage to the righteous angels, right? So it says, and so Michael fought back and the devil was defeated and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. 
And, and so the great dragon was thrown down. That's Satan that's being cast out of heaven. <laughs> oh my. Oh my. I'm sorry. Um, so I'm looking at the time. So sorry. Um, so now think in your mind now we're getting a picture of heaven and, and this is this, the saints are already in heaven. The church has been saved and raptured in, in, in heaven back in Gen, uh, Revelation 4. We know where they are. John's told to come up here. And, and so and the church is never mentioned again until you get to the end of the book. So, so the angels fight. And so at some point, that the dragon is thrown down out of heaven. Now, we read when you read the book of Hebrews... Uh, and even the book of Job does this, you find that, well, the word Satan anyway, the word Satan and devil, Satan means adversary, devil means accuser. So we know based on the book of Hebrews that the devil is the accuser of the brothers. Also, we know it right here. So even now, right now, somehow or another in God's mystery of, of eternity and heaven and earth and the, the paradise of heaven, the devil has access to God's presence at times. And it says that he accuses the brothers. That's me and you. And he accuses us, whatever he's saying, somewhat he's saying we don't deserve salvation, right? Does he have the right to accuse you? You. Yes, he does. Because you know what I am? Answer it. Sinner. He has the right. But guess who's up there with me as, as, as my great high priest? That's right. So he can accuse me of anything, and he may be right. I may be a liar at times, but Christ isn't, and he's my substitute. So you see, and so you see that battle that where, where he makes intercession for us, and so that's, that's part of this great mystery uh, of, of making being an accuser. So, but finally, at some point in the future, with the church I think has been raptured, and we're in heaven, then the devil's cast down, because we've got to have the marriage supper of the Lamb and some other things, so he's cast down. So now the tribulation's going on earth, been going on. We don't know how long, if it's the middle of the tribulation, whatever, whenever it is. But the devil's cast down. That's what this whole thing's about, is maybe at the beginning of the tribulation, the devil's doing his work, but some of the fallen angels may be in other places. But all of a sudden, all of them, are, their domain would be maybe where the sky, where birds fly, planes fly, and down. And there's hundreds of thousands of them. And now their presence is only known and seen in the atmosphere of the earth. Now, folks, that's gut-wrenching. We've already seen what happens in Revelation 9 when the abyss is open, the abuso. And out of the pit of hell, all these creatures come out, these demonic-looking entities that have been bound. Uh, and they're let out, and there are hordes of them. You know, the locusts, the heads of lions and size of a horse. Just incredibly demonic looking things. And they torment man. Well, this now it's Satan. And it says, And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. Are you looking at your Bibles? No, we're going to have to stop quickly, I know. Um, do never, never forget this. Right now, and I've told you this a thousand times, but you've got to have a biblical worldview. Folks, things can get crazy in America. 
they may not only try to take our guns and our bullets, but they may try to take your Bible. It may not happen in five years, but it may happen in ten. If we can. You just never know. So here's the biblical truth I want you to know. When it says that, that the Satan is the deceiver of the whole world. Okay? Remember, it goes all the way back to the Tower of Babel. If you're not saved, okay, let's just answer this out loud. If you're not a born-again Christian, who's your father? There, this is what Jesus said. So Satan, the devil, Lucifer, the dragon, whatever term you want to use, all used right here, he deceives the whole world. So when these people want to talk about what's best for America, if, if, they're, if they're not saved, we read this in 1 John today, if they're not a Christian, they walk in darkness. They don't have the light. And folks, so Satan dupes them. This is why the Bible calls what they believe is vain philosophy, and we can't let their vain philosophies rape our theology. That's what the Bible says in Colossians 2. You can't let it rape you from what you know is true. So he's the deceiver of the whole world. That's why 1 John John said earlier in, in 1 John 5, the whole world is in the lap of Satan. They're just deceived and asleep. Let me finish the paragraph. He was thrown down on the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ has come, for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God, and they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb, amen, and by the word of their testimony. For they love not their lives even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you. It's because we'll be in heaven. But this is during the tribulation now. But woe to you, O earth and sea. For the devil has come down to you in great wrath. Because he knows that his time is short. At the most, it's going to be seven years. It may just be three and a half years where he's just limited to that. And folks, so in the tribulation, let's just stop right here and say this. In the tribulation, we know that the wrath of, of Satan, the evilness of Satan, the wickedness of Satan, the deception of Satan is going to let loose on this earth like never before for at least three and a half years. This is in addition to the wrath of God being poured out in signs with seals, trumpets, and bowls. This isn't the, this isn't the, that's not the wrath of God. That's the wrath of Satan, and he's limited. But God's still going to be on top of that, pouring out his seal judgments, his trumpet judgments, and his bowl judgments. Because the wrath of God has come. And the Bible asks a question at the end. The wrath of God has come. Who can stand? Who can stand against God's wrath? Nobody can stand against God's wrath. Folks, that's why you need the Lord Jesus Christ today. All of us is appointed unto man once the Hebrews 9.27 is appointed unto man once to die, then after that the judgment. 
The only way you're going to stand clean before a holy God is having the righteousness of Christ imputed to you. That's why he's called our Savior. He saves us from our sins. Let's stand together for our benediction. Thank you for being here this morning. Remember the, the meal next Sunday, 4th of July celebration. Bring your food. Tell Faye what you're going to bring. Uh, no Sunday school. You have plenty of time to cook all kind of food. And uh, we'll have a great time next, uh, next Sunday morning. God's good. Amen? Let's pray. Father, it's, it's humbling to, to know the amount of wrath that, that we've escaped. Lord, not, not just what will be in the tribulation when we're not here, but God, the wrath that I deserve right here and now, standing here. But, but by the mercy of your divine plan, the Son... The Son of God became man and was my substitute, was my lamb who was without blemish and he took my place. He, he is my Ark of the Covenant. Now justice and mercy have kissed and I have forgiveness through the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, thank you that I've escaped the wrath of God, and Lord, thank you that all those in this place today who know the Lord Jesus have been saved by, through faith, by grace, they too have escaped your wrath. Father, help us to preach the good news to a lost world that's in darkness. Help us to share with them the light of the world. Father, as we go out now, we pray that uh, what we say and do would, would honor your very name. Lord, we love you and thank you for your grace and mercy. In Jesus' name, amen.